this investment in Paris thought be one of the, the, the greatest lessons for vacation rental investment, invest where the supplies is limited and where there is a lot of regulations where you know within those regulations where you're allowed to invest, but everybody else can't. And that's where my, my property will talk about this, like in Maui and Napa Valley, heavily regulated markets. And that's, but I'm in a condo hotel or in a resort, in a hospitality zone. So Paris taught me that painful lesson, but I'm, I'm very grateful about it. This year, we're going to use, um, I have two properties there. We're going to use them with my family for the Olympic Games. So we'll block the days. I'm super grateful I have them. So now it's not about making money in Paris, but also enjoying it. And, and that was like a, a surprise gift for my family. Are you looking for opportunities to invest in passive real estate syndications? Join our exclusive community at Fastfire Capital, where we're dedicated to bringing doctors and other high-income earners priority access to the best opportunities to invest in large multifamily and other types of commercial properties. Not only that, by being part of the community, you'll get exclusive access to webinars and Q&As, where you'll be able to raise your passive investing IQ. To join our community, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash syndication. Again, that address is semiretiredmd.com forward slash syndication. Podcast is sponsored by our course, Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals is a 10 week online course focused on helping physicians and high income earners go from knowing little to nothing about real estate investing to confidently buying cashflowing rentals that will allow them to achieve financial freedom and work in medicine or their day jobs on their own terms. Our course is only open to registration twice a year, so be sure to get on the waitlist at semiretiredmd.com and check out the course details on our course landing page. This episode is sponsored by Rain City Capital. Rain City specializes in hard money loans for fix and flips, rentals, and new construction projects. Now, hard money isn't for everybody, but it can be a great tool for pro investors who need more flexibility with their financing. Maybe you're having trouble getting approved for a loan or you're going to miss out on a great deal because your lender can't close in time. Whatever your situation, if you can't go conventional, check out Rain City Capital. Since they only work with investors, they're experts at finding creative solutions to meet your goals. And since many of them are investors themselves, they keep their approval process quick and simple. For our students, Rain City offers personalized deal review. You submit the property info and they will call you to run the numbers together. They can usually tell you within five minutes if it seems like a good deal or not and how to move forward. No strings attached. Visit raincity.online forward slash SRMD to learn more or submit your deal for review. Welcome to the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast, the place where we talk about the strategies, habits, and mindset that separate wealthy docs from those who are not. We're your hosts, Leiti and Kenji. Welcome to another episode of the Doctors Building Wealth Podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have a good friend, Erwin Leroy, joining us today. Erwin and I share the same coach, and my coach, introduced me to him uh, because he had this incredible story of swimming the English Channel, which we're going to get into, uh, but uh, but this was all in the context of setting goals and setting really big goals, uh, and that's why she shared the story, and that's why she connected, connected me to him, uh, and so I'm really excited to uh, share your story and also share your entrepreneurial journey as well. So welcome, Erwin. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Hi, both of you. Great to see you. 
So Erwin, let's start out with your entrepreneurial story. So can you tell everyone a little bit about your background, how you became an entrepreneur? Yes. So my background, so originally I'm uh, from France, uh, from the Cognac region um, in uh, north of uh, Bordeaux. And I came to the um, U.S. for my first job about uh, 21 years uh, ago. And I started to work in tech, so big, big companies. And at uh, that time, I was... Uh, um, you know, just applying my education to uh, large tech companies, but I always had an itch to do something else, something on the side to create my own passive income. So I, I don't um, just work for a big company, you know, all my life. And uh, my my parents um, were both uh, teachers. And so working paycheck to paycheck, and I wanted to very early on identify how can I break this pattern even though I was in big tech companies, I, I knew I could like end up at 65, 70, and maybe still be in a big tech company. So how can I early on try to make that shift and uh, um, and and invest in in something? I, I didn't know what at that time. So I decided to uh, find some uh, online courses, some seminars in real estate, uh, you know, where they have like these uh, 25 CDs and type of courses and just trying to pick up my interest. And um, my very first uh, entrepreneurial journey um, in the US uh, was um, when I rented my first property in San Jose, like, hey, there is a there is a garage there, it's empty. Maybe I can sublease my garage. I mean, I had no, no money really to buy another property at that point. Maybe I could sublease it. And I was uh, 25 years old, and I asked my landlord, I was uh, uh, trying to convince her, hey, can I rent it to somebody? And she said no, and I said, but hey, I, I can maybe help to uh, make a little bit of money that would help me tremendously. And she finally said yes, and I was like $100 a month. Not much, but I was the very beginning where I could start my entrepreneurial journey. That's so cool because, um, you know, when Kenji and I first started investing in real estate in 2015 together, one of the first things we did that that year was we would buy properties that were like duplexes and we would start renting out the garage to a separate tenant. And back then, all the property managers were saying that's not done, like people don't do it here. And we had a lot of pushback. Luckily, we had read a book. And so that guy in the book was doing it. So we're like, we know this is possible. But you had this idea so early on. It's almost like an Airbnb and garage rental kind of idea together. Um, tell us about how that went and how that led to your next step. Yeah, so so I was very happy to get that cash flow. And I got like a, a, a taste, that taste of passive income. It's like, hey, I'm going to work every day. And while at my work, my garage is working for me uh, for a hundred month, hundred dollar month. This is pretty cool. Um, how can I do more? And fortunately, at that time, I didn't have really the um, amount of cash to um, to invest in, in a new uh, in a new property. So um, I would just be saving, um, and I didn't have my primary home. And I felt like I need to have my primary home before I buy other uh, properties to have more uh, passive income. So in only two years in the U.S., I saved just enough money um, to buy my first primary residence. I was 27, and I was like looking at the map and the real estate in the Silicon Valley, and where is the cheapest? It was Newark, California. Maybe you never heard of Newark, California, but it's it's not the best part of the Silicon Valley. Uh, now it went up 
but it was cheaper for a reason. So um, fast forward two years later, I could buy my first uh, uh, property, even though at that time I could get to a 30 years loan and it would give you a loan even though I had an H-1B visa. So I was supposed to be in the US for seven years, but it, the bank would still give a loan for 30 years. So figure out. But so that was a risk I took and said, worst case scenario, I resell it. But I just uh, invested my first property. It was hard. I probably visited, uh, I don't know, 500 homes, three different agents. They got tired of me. Uh, had a hard time to make the decision. Maybe I wish I had made the decision sooner. Um, but for me, when I look back, it was so important to invest as soon as I could. Just to be in the system, build the equity, buy this um, property. It was like a 450,000 homer. Nothing fancy, but it was a still for me. It was single at that time. It was a, a three bedroom, not in a fancy neighborhood. Um, a lot of retired people. I went to the grocery stores. Like, why well, everybody's retired here? So it's like the only European in town. Uh, but but I got in real estate early on, and then it was not passive income, but it was equity uh, building uh, while I go to work at my daytime job. And to me, that was very, um, very, it was a learning experience in the sense like I can build wealth, I can be in the system just by owning a property, even though it's not a big, big property. And that was the, the catalyst later on to use that equity to do something better uh, with it for cash flow. Yeah, and I want to take this sidebar and hear about decision making because you hinted on uh, that was the first step and the first decision that you made and it took a while. Can you talk to us quickly before we go back to your story about decision making and how you've thought of that over the last few years and and any sort of skills or knowledge that you've gained that might be helpful to other entrepreneurs to to hear from you about decision making? Yeah, decision making in this case, I mean, there was there was a lot of fear um, to make that jump with the visa um, duration and also what if what if it becomes a bad investment? So a lot of fear. And that kind of delayed a bit that investment. So yes, it was only two years since I arrived in the US, but I could have made a decision sooner. But it's when I decided like, I'm not gonna let my fear drive me because fear was, was just BS in a way that even if I had to sell the property, I can get the money back. Like there is not really a downside in investing in, in real estate in the Silicon Valley. It's not like the market was going to crash dramatically, especially at, at that time uh, in 2003. Um, it was a bad timing in 2008, maybe, but not in 2003 and over the years, it's still a safe investment. So I think in a decision-making fear was the thing that I would uh, definitely try to minimize. And, and now every day I ask myself when I have a big goal, learning from that experience, do I have fear? Do I have doubt? And instead of that, do you have like absolute certainty and, and, and do an incantation about, I mean, every single day I do an incantation where I can build this absolute certainty on my goals. But at the time, 27, I didn't have those tools. So fear kind of delayed. And also the paralysis analysis that I, I kept analyzing properties, market, but I was all fed by the fear, maybe too delayed. So when uh, when the decision is, is made and to enter the real estate and to build passive income, um, at some point, it's just just do it and, and be self-aware. Like, do I have fear slowing me down? Am I... And, and is this really true? Asking myself, is that fear really true? And just pausing and maybe being in a room and thinking for 10 minutes about, okay, I have this fear. Is this really true? And just wait for the answers. 
And oftentimes it's just not true. It's just purely made up. Mm, so reasoning it out, um, thinking about whether or not it's really true, and then using incantations where you repeat that same uh, statement over and over again to build that inner certainty that allows you to move forward despite fear and despite, despite uh, discomfort. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that's really what brought, brought certainty and and creating, visualizing. To me, that's what I use now in all of those goals, visualizing the end results. Mm -hmm. uh, just saying like it's done. There's certainty about it and, and feeling it every single day. Um, I mean, I, I do every morning the Tony Robbins priming that has this exercise where at the end, and I always love the, the last part where for the top three goals, like I experience it, I feel it as if it's done. And that just gives me back certainty. And for some reason, um, the, the laws of attractions, uh, things start to happen. I get guidance, I get uh, calls from people I haven't heard for like five, 10 years. So it's very fascinating when we bring that certainty into uh, our life and visualizing the end goals. So you bought this home. Um, what was the next step? Uh, did you buy an investment property, a short-term rental? Not, not yet. I, I bought the home and then um, enjoyed it. I was like, can you imagine us? Single guy, three bedroom, home, a, a yard. That was kind of the, to me, it was the American dream. At 27, you have a, a home. There was a koi pond in the backyard. Like, oh my gosh, I have a koi pond and it's like a small waterfall. It's like, uh, to me, it was paradise. The environment was not that great. It was more of a re re retirement uh, neighborhood. But I was I was very happy to be there. So I continued my day job. Um, and and as, as you know, in, in all of those tech jobs at the end of the year, you have a small bonus. I just saved it. Uh, I just saved it. But and I was accumulating uh, some equity. But I was at that time safely losing money. And it's part of the mindset in my, my culture in, in France where we, we, we save money, even though it's less than the inflation, we're happy about it, we have certainty. It's like I had certainty I'm losing money every year because uh, the interest rate I get on the saving account is less than the inflation. And, uh, but I, I, I realized, like a member of a financial advisor, so you're, just, you're from Europe, right? Yeah, you're safely losing money. Like, <laughs> okay, well, there'll be something about this money, it's not, not good. But I have no idea about what to invest it in, um, yet in other real estate properties and so on. But I was in tech, so I launched um, a, a small tech company that um, um, did not really succeed. I did not make money from it, uh, but I, I had a lot of fun. And I was in a diamond business. And I was using in my tech job kind of um, a nanosurgery technique to fix semiconductor chips. Like if a semiconductor chip is broken, it's like a nano beam that would fix the chip. It's called a focus ion beam. And I use this technology to apply it for a completely different industry in the diamond industry. And I wanted to put, let's say, your photo uh, inside a diamond. And my slogan was, memories are forever. So I could put your photo for a wedding inside a diamond forever. And I developed, use a small viewer, people can see it. And it was also a security feature. And I was like certain I would go to trade shows and pitched it. And, um, and I got a lot of excitement into it. And, um, and then I went to the religious markets, because like pendant for um, people who are Catholic, they would want to have like uh, Jesus inside a diamond on, on the cross that is in the center. And I would go to trade shows and I would have big slogan. I say, come see Jesus. And because they can see Jesus inside the, the small diamond. And then they would uh, 
they would buy it. So, so I did sell some, but it was not the big money maker. The, 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 the issue there was the, the ease of use of the viewer, the tiny viewer to see it. I could see it, but the regular consumer needs to see it. They're not necessarily from the tech world and they had too much training. But that was kind of what I tried. And like, well, it's hard to, uh, hard to make money uh, with it. And um, I did uh, uh, talk to some companies about the security features, not just the photos inside the, the diamond. So that part like, okay, at least I know that that doesn't work. I can't make money on that. And at some point I had to uh, retire the idea. So that's uh, not, not all ventures uh, did work in the entrepreneurial work. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you said I didn't make any money, and, but I had a lot of fun. So most people would not say that. Most people would have seen it as a failure and had a lot of emotions, a lot of negative emotions about it. So tell me why you don't and tell me how that actually helped you long run. Yeah, because I it, it was kind of a trailblazing activity. No one's been there. So I was like so excited. I say, hey, I can, uh, first I had a, a press release and uh, and really surprised the industry, the diamond uh, industry that can be done. So it was uh, uh, some of it in, in Tony Robbins' world was a bit of uh, visibility or significance. Like, hey, I'm this guy coming from France. I'm 28 years old and I'm getting publicity about me putting photos into a diamond. So that was fun. And and also the upside that I could see was, was fun doing my very first website, promoting it with Facebook ads. I learned about online marketing, which is something I, I, I still use uh, for a different business in real estate, but that's how I started to learn other skills. So the business itself um, did not succeed, but the skills I learned, I still learn today and I'm not sure today. And that's also how I had fun. It's about who I became through that process and not just did I make money or not. That was very important. And as Tony said, like life happens for you, not to you. Well, there's a lot of lessons from that time. Skills planted a seed early on, even though they may not seen as success or failures at the time, but planting those seeds, learning every day in the business, even though it was not just for diamond, it was about marketing. It was about making a, a website. It was new skills that uh, 15, 20 years later, I can still use. Yeah. yeah. One of my uh, favorite quotes is, uh, it's not who you become that matters. Uh, one of my favorite quotes that I love is, it's not what you get that matters, it's who you become in the process. And there's a Jim Rohn quote. Yeah. So tell yeah. me, uh, when when did the real estate journey start? Uh, so investing journey start? Yeah. So it started um, when I so I really wanted to move to San Francisco from Newark. At some point, I was like, okay, Newark, uh, after seven years in Newark, I've got to move to San Francisco. And I commute back to the Silicon Valley in San Jose. It was like an hour commute, but I, I got to move in San Francisco. It's more fun, more exciting, more vibrant. So I make the move to San Francisco. And then what do I do? I rent my property in Newark. Uh, so I have the first experience of tenants. And uh, with the ups and downs of tenants, well, where's the rent? Like, the, uh, where's, where's the rent not coming? How about this? Uh, this is broken. You got to fix it. Well, I don't want to pay for it. Yes, you do. So all these questions with tenants, I start to have. And I start realizing after, uh, after it was like a year and a half of having long-term tenants. Well, it's great. They're paying for my mortgage um, and the, uh, the maintenance, but I don't make any money from it. So I have this equity. And I was like, probably about 300K uh, equity in the property. I'm like, great. I mean, I didn't have 300K on my bank account at that time, but I have it in the property, right? but I can't touch it. And I have a long-term tenant 
um, who is um, not making um, me any money. So, okay, maybe I need to find some solution uh, on that. But I leave it in the back burner. I don't take action right away about it. But I have a friend who tells me um, at that time, hey, I'm investing in Paris uh, for this new company and uh, you know Airbnb. Um, and you can buy something in Paris. And that's like, whoa, Paris, that's music to my ears. I always stop buying Paris before I see my parents. What if I had an Airbnb? I can write it on Airbnb and I can uh, uh, use it whenever I want. I block the base, fantastic. So here I go, I go to, to Paris and I start visiting properties and properties. And, and they're like um, 10, 12 um, square meters. That's all I could afford. They're tiny. It's like way too tiny. It's like, well, I can't, it's way too tiny. I can't really rent it, make money with it. So, so I wait another year and then I have more money to invest. Now I can look for bigger properties, 20, 25 square meter. And I finally pulled the plug and have my very first Airbnb properties. Um, that was 10 years ago. That was 10 years ago. I bought my first Airbnb and I was so excited about it, I had to do a big renovation. I renovated with my dad who loves doing um, all kind of uh, renovating projects, kind of a, a joint project with my dad that, that we do. And um, I then learned that, uh, well, I went a bit too fast. Um, I cannot do Airbnb in Paris. It's not legal. There's some restrictions, there's some regulations. So, oops, all right, that's a problem. So, um, I, um, I learned the hard way, get some letters from the city of Paris and I had to stop. So now I can only rent it for 30 nights uh, minimum. So it was not as, as profitable. Um, but that taught me to really learn better on like the due diligence. When my first property, maybe I went too slow. That one, maybe I went too fast or I didn't have the right due diligence uh, items in my, my list. And one big one is the zoning, the regulations. Or what is the risk that even though the regulation is okay, what is the risk that is gonna change in the coming future? And that's a very important thing in vacation rentals. Today, people ask me, where is the best place to invest that allows Airbnb? It is the wrong question. It's the wrong question. They should be asking, where is it heavily regulated today? Meaning the regulations are mature, but you know, within that city, the correct zoning, for hospitality that allows Airbnb. Mm -hmm. So this investment in Paris taught me one of the, the, the greatest lessons for vacation rental investment, invest where the supplies is limited and where there is a lot of regulations where you know within those regulations where you're allowed to invest, but everybody else can't. And that's where my uh, property will talk about this, like in Maui and Napa Valley, heavily regulated markets. And that's, but I'm in a condo hotel or in a resort in a hospitality zone. So Paris taught me that painful lesson, but I'm, I'm very grateful about it. This year, we're going to use, um, I have two properties there. We're going to use them with my family for the Olympic Games. So we'll block the days. So I'm super grateful I have them. So now it's not about making money in Paris, but also enjoying it. And, and that was like a, a surprise gift for my family. They all got an envelope. I was like, what is this? It's like no gift. It's just an envelope. Yes, an envelope. Just open it. And they open it and say, oh, we got two tickets for the Olympic Games and free accommodation. Uh, they were happy so that was uh to me that was a priceless gift i can i can give them that's amazing um can you tell everyone you know across your portfolio of rental properties now where are you today 
Yeah, so today I'm in five different markets. So, um, my main market is in Maui, and um, the second market I have is in Napa Valley, so north of, um, of San Francisco, for all the wine tasting uh, tourists. Um, I'm in Miami, um, and more recently in the U.S. Virgin Islands, um, this is my latest uh, markets, and in France. And in France, it's like Paris and uh, the French Riviera. Okay. So what Kenji really wanted to make sure people heard about was your decision to swim the English Channel, your why behind it. So can you tell everyone a little bit of the story behind this decision and how you went about doing it? When you daydream about your future, I'll bet it doesn't include you still working into your 60s and 70s. But unless you're actively taking steps to break the cycle of trading time for money, that's the future most of us face. Ignite Your Journey will lay out a roadmap to show you how to finally break that cycle and achieve true financial freedom. And it will show you how to do it in just three to five years, rather than the 20 or so it takes for traditional investments or saving in your retirement accounts. For more information, go to semiretiredmd.com forward slash IYJ. This episode is brought to you by Dan Peck of Movement Mortgage. If you're an experienced investor, you'll know just how important it is to have a lender who knows how to work with investors. We've been working with Dan and his team for over eight years now, and he's our go-to whenever we need a residential loan for our investment properties. Now, if you're new to investing, you might not know this, but your lender can sometimes be the difference between getting a great deal or completely missing out on it because your lender couldn't close the deal. Now, I did want to point out that Dan can help you not only with your investment properties, but also if you're looking to buy a primary residence or vacation home. So the next time you're looking for a residential lender, be sure to email Dan at srmd at movement.com to get a free consultation and also let him know that you're part of the Semi-Retired MD community to get an exclusive discount on your next loan. Now back to the episode. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, in 2021, so not not too long ago. Um, I decided to swim the English Channel just a year before. Um, there are two two main drivers. Um, my we, it was during COVID time, so everything was was closed, and I could not go to the gym. As as you know, we had a lockdown, so to exercise and to be in peak state, the only thing that was open was the ocean, the bay. And uh, yes, it was cold, but um, that, at least I could swim uh, outside, even though the everything was locked down. But it also. Uh, at that time, my mom got uh, diagnosed with uh, uh, with lung cancer, and it was it was not looking good at all. They would not call it terminal uh, officially, of course, to the family, but uh, it was in the apex region, uh, the size of a tennis ball. And as, as your doctors, you know, in the lungs, you don't feel anything until it's probably a bit too late. Like it was really pushing on nerves. And when she said to feel some pain, they did some X-ray. It was not not looking good. So where focus goes, energy flows. So I was thinking to my mom, how can I shift our focus to something that's going to excite her, scare her a little bit, but so she doesn't just think about her treatment every single day. So I remember talking to my uh, my Tony Robbins coach um, that that we share, <laughs> uh, the same coach at that time. Um, that hey, this is the situation. I'd like to also challenge myself during COVID. And my mom said, 
and like, what could you do more and do something outside of, of your comfort zone? I was like, well, I've always wanted to maybe swim the English Channel, but but I barely know how to swim. You know, that's a this is a big goal. It's it's crazy. It's outside of your comfort zone. So like, yeah, this is it. If it scares you, it's outside your comfort zone. Um, just just sign up. So then the the next day, I remember I'm contacting some some boats there because you cannot swim by yourself. You have to follow a boat, and there's only a. Uh, about 10 boats that officially can help you cross the English Channel from UK to France. And everything sold out, everything sold out. And I'm like, okay, well, life happens for me. And to me, it's not meant to be. I'm not going to swim it. Um, and then two weeks later, they say, well, somebody canceled. Um, it's um, it's it's going to be um, uh, in October. Um, so actually, end of September, uh, the slot the fourth slot with the end of the season. It's like the worst slot. People don't want this slot because it's the coldest, the the, the nights are long. And, and if you're the fourth slot, I mean, the first slot goes first the week, then second slot, then third and fourth. So if the weather is not good, you don't even go. Like you can train all year, you don't even go. So like I got the fourth slot, the last week of September, it's like, great. But you know what? Um, I'm going to take it. So here I pay, it was $5,000, I pay. I'm gonna, and then I called my coach, like, hey, I signed up for the English Channel. So she was so happy. Uh, and I'm like, okay, but I gotta know how to swim better because you, you know, the people that they swim and you, they look like they're drowning and and a lot of uh, water, that's me. So like, I, I, I gotta, I, I gotta have the right team in place. So then it's about, and probably applicable to anything in, in, in those projects in life, but how can I uh, connect with the best people in this field? And I literally go online and I, I Google who is the best English channel swimmer. And I see the same name coming like the entire page is filled out. Sarah Thomas, Sarah Thomas, Sarah Thomas. So I like, I guess I got to contact Sarah Thomas. And then I see him, I follow her on, on Facebook and I see she just opened um, a coaching program. She's going to coach swimmer. But I'm, I'm not an Olympic swimmer. I didn't even learn how to swim in school. So, uh, I'm going to contact her and say, what happens? I contact her and she replies. It was very early on when she just opened her coaching program. Life happens for you, not to you. It's like, I guess it's meant to be. She just opened it. I contact her and I'm one of the first people she talks to. And I tell her, this is what I do. And, and she tells me, honestly, you know, I'm, I, I feel bad to take your money for this program, coaching program, because you have very limited uh, open water experience. You only swim the English Channel in a year. People train two, three, four years in advance, and they have a lot of open water experience. I mean, it's going to be very hard. And the weather and the temperature when you want to do it is probably the worst of the of the year during the the season. You know, let's do it. Let's just sign up for it. So, so I hire her, and then I have to hire a nutritionist specialist in um, open water swimming in Australia. Um, because I had to gain like about 20 pounds for it to survive the cold, but to do it in a healthy way. And you're always battling not to lose weight. Maybe some people want to lose weight for, for the English channel, you want to battle not to lose weight. So you have enough weight and the right balance of muscles and weight so you can move forward, but also you can be protected from the cold. And then I hired um, two massage therapists, um, one uh, physical therapist, um and uh i had uh, a mental coach uh that we we shared um from tony robinson and then i had to hire a coach to be on the boat uh to uh, uh to coach me uh with the feelings and so on so that was the 
the entire team to start this journey for the English channel. So this is not only a lot of money, this is a ton of your time and then also risk. So tell us why it was worth it to you and why you were willing to go through this um, discomfort and then also cost and effort for it. Um, yeah, I mean, I had the, the drive because it, it's um, I had a big why with my mom. If it was just, and even today when I see um, this, um, uh, this, this crossing, I could not have done it without having a big, big why. And why that is beyond myself. Um, and that's, that's very important to have this, this, this drive. And for my mom, I had like one story in mind. Like when we talk about priming, visualize, visualizing the end results. Every day when I do priming, I would see myself finishing swimming from UK to France. It would be a beautiful sunset. I would feel the sand on my feet. I would have my arms up. I finished. Um, my dad would be there. Uh, my my mom uh, she was going treatment, so she could not be at the um, uh, location. But I would pick up a pebble on the beach as a symbol of strength, of hope for my mom, and I would bring it to my mom. And that pebble is like becoming the symbol for me to cross English Channel, pick up a pebble, and bring it to my mom. And that was the why. That was the drive. And then every day I would think, of course, about that. But also it put me in peak state because swimming is, is good for you. I mean, I, I feel fantastic, even personally better than if I run or go on an elliptical bike or any other form of exercise. I think swimming is probably best for me than yoga. That's how I feel fantastic. So that was an additional motivation. And, and then the third drive, of course, the big why is my mom, but the, first, the third um, drive um, was to track. I was tracking every day. Like some people track their calories and so on. For me, I was tracking how much I swim every day and I could send it to my coach. I was being monitored. I had somebody to check back with me. Okay, you swam like um, 50K or 30K this week. Uh, I mean, for the year, I had to. I had trained for 1,500 kilometers. So it's like about 800 miles of swim in the pool, in open water. And we had a ramp. I had um, the, the coach, Sarah Thomas, um, who is like the world best swimmer in the world? She she crossed the English Channel. I mean, listen carefully. It's just it's just crazy to want to think about. She crossed the English Channel four times nonstop for fifty four hours. Fifty four hours in a swimsuit. Uh, she swam it four times. So like, if she's done it four times, maybe she can teach me to do it once. Mm -hmm. So that's why I call her. But, but I would track on like uh, what I swim, the kilometers, and I would send her on a weekly basis and we would have calls to check in. So to have this feedback loop with coaches, of course, Sarah Thomas, my Tony Robbins coach, my nutritionist, to see what works, what doesn't. Let's do two millimeter shift. I have pain in my shoulder or, or I didn't gain enough weight or I lost weight. So we would always adjust. But there was very regular um like real, really regular checks up that we would have um every week every other week depending on the coach now you've got this short-term rental portfolio so you've got a business as well so how did you balance both of these and i don't i don't even mention like you know your social life your family <laughs> yeah yeah i had to i mean it was a challenge to uh i would i mean swim very early in the morning because i had my my job uh, back there i was working at amazon and amazon is not known to uh <laughs> give you a lot of free time so i had to swim uh, uh, i would wake up at like 3 30 in the morning uh it was covid so a lot of the pools were closed there's only one pool 
in the North Bay, I would have to drive. Uh, so I crossed the, the Golden Gate Bridge every day just to, to drive there. Um, so I can start my day on 7 a.m., 8 a.m. Uh, for work. And I would do my big, big swims the weekend. Um, and for my portfolio, um, that's when I started to really try to shift from an operator to an owner. Mm-hmm. And that's so important. I mean, in, in any business, we hear we should become an owner. Um, but this is when I realized I really have to become an owner. I had no choice. That's when I had no choice. I started to make it happen. Hire the team, hire people, started to train them. And um, and I continue to invest. I mean, that year, when I trained for an investment, I bought two properties. And uh, my partner, Sophie, she was uh, very nice to go to the one in Maui. Uh, that uh, I've never stayed there, actually. I, I bought it now uh, about uh, three years ago. Uh, I haven't seen the property, but she went, I bought it on paper. I had my agent I trust, and then she uh, set it up uh, uh, with my team on site with all the furniture and stuff that uh, I bought from Amazon. Um, so I had to have a team, uh, in other words, to make it happen and, and, and juggle everything. And my relationship had to be supportive. Uh, if you say, well, being the channel, it sucks. So you're doing, uh, you want me to do this, uh, uh, installation for you to make money for you. No, I had a very supportive and loving relationship, and that was that was very important to get the support uh, from friends and family. Mm-hmm. Now, what about? Uh, I mean, I've been curious. I've been wanting to ask you: Do you have another uh, big goal uh, that you've set for yourself after the English Channel? Not yet. Um, I, I I have a big goal now to because. Uh, to become even more accountable, um, the English Channel, there was a, 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 a producing company that, that followed the entire journey. So there is a documentary, it's a feature length documentary on it. And uh, to me, it's very, very meaningful to me because my mom is on it. Uh, she was as a hobby singing, so she's singing in the documentary. We can see her receiving the pebble. Um, and uh, and fortunately, my, my mom passed away nine months after I finished the English Channel. Um, so, but it was um, one of the intense experience she could have towards the end of her life. But now it's about her legacy. And the big project I have is to, to launch the documentary. Um, it's submitted to various festivals and to give uh, like literally 100% of the money from that documentary to cancer research and smoking cessation. I mean, the smoking got her. It's it's uh, don't have to be a rocket scientist uh, to figure this out um, with lung cancer, but I it's a passion of mine now to have like teenagers, kids to stop smoking, um, also with all the vaping that's going on to get more education. So I want the documentary to fund uh, this, and and I'm also using all my short term rentals where I share a percentage of the free cash flow every single month to cancer research uh, and to uh, smoking uh, cessation, some of the two uh, programs that uh, are important to me. Is this um, documentary, is it something available for people right now or is it going to be available in the future? It will be available in the future. There is a trailer. Um, It is called Swimming Home. Swimming Home, and uh, it's a feature-length documentary. And uh, yeah, this is a big year because it's about, now it's finished with post-production. It was a big, big project, not just to make it, but the post-production, I, I did not realize. Uh, my first documentary as a producer, so 
I didn't know there's so many people that involved in making documentaries and, and revisions. So now it's it's done. Um happy that and grateful that I can share the story with my mom. Um and it's it's really a, a love connection story, mother, son, the struggle with cancer, uh and the adversity and and of, of course the inspiration to have a big goal to achieve it to support somebody who is uh, facing such uh, illness. But now it's really a legacy you want to give back. And um and, and the fact each time I see it, I start crying when I, I hear my mom singing in it. And it's towards the end when I approach the French coast where I know I'm gonna I'm gonna make it, I'm gonna land uh, in France. And she starts singing on the documentary. To me, it's always very emotional. I want to share the story to uh, to everybody. So beautiful. Um, I want to ask for anyone listening to this who's just starting their entrepreneurial journey, any kind of words of wisdom that you have from your journey, and then also this experience of setting this huge goal and then going out and doing it. Yeah, I, I mean, we're here is from Richard Branson. I think if if uh, if you're not scared with your goal, uh, it's 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 not big enough of a goal. It really has to be a big goal uh, that is really stretched outside of your comfort zone. And today, I can probably list uh, like uh, a lot of goals I could do, like uh, buying some other uh, single unit condos and so on. But now I'm going for bigger commercial properties. Maybe number of units I never bought before, maybe new locations, but it can be for any goals. Like, um, should I, it's it's a big enough goal. Of course, there is a big why. I mean, it's very important. There's no why if it's just to make money. Uh, if swimming in the channel is just for me, I can guarantee you I would have stopped in the middle. Mm -hmm. and, and I still don't know, honestly, how I finished because I know how I fell in the middle and I, I was done. That's it. And I looked in front of me and I see the horizon. There's, there's, no, there's no friends in sight. And then it's grace. It's like, what 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 makes me finish is that big why. So to come to your question, it's really have a big why that is above yourself, setting a big goal that um, that scales you a bit. And, and when I talk to my coach now, she's, she can see when I'm trying to go back into certainty, into my comfort zone, setting your goals. Like, no, I can, I can add a zero to this to contribute more. I can set a bigger goal that it's going to be a bit scary. And, and it doesn't matter at the end of the day if it's really finished or not, but it's really who you become in that process and what are the skills I had to learn um, that I wouldn't have, have learned if I did not set such big goal. So, of course, we want to finish the goal, but that's really the process, the journey, and, and who do we have to become, what identity we had to build. And for meeting this channel, I had to build a new identity. And uh, and when I set a new a goal, now I always go back into who, who I was to swim the English channel. And because I can go back in somebody who wants to be in a comfort zone, but I had to become somebody else to that probably within me, but was very was sleeping to then swim the, the channel. So build that identity. It's it's all always within you already. So it's like make sure it's identified, it's built, nurtured, and that's aligned with whatever big goal you want to set. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is so valuable, especially with so many in our community setting. Setting their goals, we always talk about you have to set a why, a uh, strong why. And uh, I love how you kind of put in there that can't be, it can't be just about yourself. It's got to be outside of yourself. And I think that's a really, really valuable uh, lesson from, from that. Amazing. So two questions uh, that we ask all of our guests uh, and we're going to ask you. Uh, the first one is, what is your definition of wealthy? Wealthy um, for me is, uh, is feeling at peace and aligned with my values and giving back to what really matters 
uh, what really matters. Uh, of course, for me, I'm talking about like cancer research funding, um, but it's being, it's yeah, it's being really at peace and aligned with my values and my relationship, and knowing that I'm making an impact, I'm making a difference in the world. I mean, at this point in my career and in my life, where having one more property is not going to change my lifestyle. I'm not going to be more wealthy with a, a bigger bank account, but I know I can make a bigger difference in people's life. And that's how I can become more wealthy. And, and that's, that's really the drive today. And what is one habit strategy or mindset that separates someone who is health wealthy versus someone who is not? I think it's a trap that, uh, I mean, I felt into before is not going for significance for yourself. Um, if it's really about you buying a bigger car, buying a bigger house, trying to post that you have um, a, a new asset, a new toy, and you post it on Facebook and have more likes, um, that's going to be, I think, um, uh, very disappointing and you're going to feel the pain. So a big difference is somebody is going to go for contribution, love, connection, and growth. Those going to be the three main uh values that would drive someone who's truly wealthy that's someone who just want to go for significance uh, that's going to be very short-lived Erwin it's been such a pleasure to, to hear your story and to have all that you've shared with people here um, if somebody wants to follow up and learn more about what you're doing uh, where would you send them yeah so I have a uh, websites called cashflowstreet.com if they want to learn about uh, uh, vacation rentals um, or if they want to see uh, where where I invested if it inspires them it's called bijougetaways.com um, and my vacation rental uh, business coaching business called cashflowstreet.com awesome thank you so much for your time today um, such incredible insights and sharing about goal setting with people so I think they're going to walk away having a much clearer vision of why to set big goals and how to have a really strong why and um, entrepreneurship in general. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. Great to be with both of you. The Doctors Building Wealth podcast provides information only and does not provide any financial, legal, tax, medical, or psychological services or advice. You are responsible for your own financial, physical, mental, and emotional well-being, decisions, choices, actions, and results. You should contact a professional if you have any specific questions about your unique situation.